Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Thing that, uh, uh, you know, the virus and the circumstances have really truly never taken away from us, and that is a freedom to worship. Amen. Whatever the location may be, you can still worship the Lord. Amen. Regardless of what may be taking place, whether it's your home, your kitchen, your living room, amen, or the house of the Lord, we have still had a freedom, amen, to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Amen. Today we're going to continue in our discipleship series. We're going to continue talking about stewardship. Amen. This morning as well, we're going to finish this up today. Amen. I'm confident of that. We're going to finish this up concerning stewardship. Amen. This morning. However, please remember that uh, this is our uh, next Sunday. I should say next Sunday we will be convening here on Sunday morning. This will be our first uh We've had some Sunday morning services like when we've had Father's Day and only had one service. But however, this will be our first Sunday morning service uh, on a regular means of having a Sunday morning and Sunday night together in-house since the month of March. That's hard to really uh, for me to wrap my mind around. But whenever I go back into the back fellowship hall area uh, where super church and such happens and I go by that attendance chart and see like, a moment in time that was frozen that those absentees or present people being accounted for in about mid-March the last time on that thing then it brings it all back that it really has been this long it really has been this long and so again as long as everything uh, heads as it's heading and there's no hiccups along the way uh, next Sunday we will all be in the house of the Lord together on Sunday morning and Sunday night and so we want to take advantage, want to take advantage of that. Amen. This morning, I think for uh, the purpose, since I've, I'm kind of in the middle, uh, different places in this lesson uh, today, that I'm just going to pray this morning. And uh, as you know, these lessons usually have several points of scripture. Amen. So I'm going to pray today and we'll get in into the lesson here this morning. Father, I love you today. I'm thankful, Jesus, for another opportunity to be in your house. I thank you, Lord, for entrusting us, oh Lord Jesus, with God, your word, and God, to be able to share it, to be able, Lord, to convey it. I pray, God, hopefully, Lord, in the way in which Jesus, it was, Lord, conveyed, Lord, firstly, Lord Jesus, to those who wrote, Lord, and penned it, Lord Jesus, by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. I pray, oh, Lord, today, God, help us, God, as we consider once again, Lord, the responsibility of stewardship, Father, in our lives. And we'll not fail to thank you and praise you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. God bless you this morning. We have been on a stewardship journey uh, over the past couple weeks, speaking of stewardship of our our time and of our talent and of our treasure. And uh, hopefully today we'll continue talking about being a steward of our treasure. Last week we looked primarily concerning the aspect of tithes, that tenth, 
uh, that belongs unto the Lord. And we highlighted the idea that uh, until we have really given that tenth which the Lord has required in his word, we've not even reached that stage of giving yet. Uh, because whenever uh, we give, it's kind of like in, in an abundance or beyond that which was owed, the concept would be. But he has asked of that tenth. But now we enter into that other, that other area or a facet of stewardship of our, our monetary goods known as, as giving. Giving unto the Lord. After we've already uh, offered our tithes unto the Lord, then we can go into a position of giving unto the Lord. And the Bible describes much, uh, particularly in the New Testament Scripture, that the the amount that is given uh, isn't so much where uh, the litmus test of our giving is. It's in the attitude in which we give. It's the attitude from which we give. And the Bible says a lot. This is not like giving is not a subject matter that, you know, you got to read in between the lines of the Bible in order to uh, deduce that it's there. It's not something that's hid over in a corner somewhere. Giving is a very, very prominent topic all throughout the word of the Lord. There are, according to my understanding, over 1,500 passages that have to do uh, with giving. As a matter of fact, just this past week, I've been doing some reading in the New Testament book of Luke. And uh, I had read so many different parables or parabolic sayings that Jesus gave concerning giving. I went back in Luke there and began just to put a dollar sign by each of them. And it was amazing how many uh, stories or parables that Jesus had just in uh, Luke, like 16 through you know, 20 something that had to do uh, with giving. And so uh, the scripture even tells us in the fourth chapter of Genesis, we see that all the way back in Genesis, Adam and, and Eve's sons, Cain and Abel, the Bible said prepared offerings. Now we know this to be offerings of animal or vegetation type of sacrifice that was given to the Lord. But in that moment and in that culture in that day, uh, that was their means of increase. That was their means of trade. That was their means of uh, how to secure something. And so uh, what the animals and the vegetation was to them is what actual dollars and, 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 and currency is to us in, in our modern day. And the Bible says in Genesis 4, verses 3 through 4, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect to Abel and to his offering. And so they are bringing uh, what would have been the currency of their day, uh, the harvest of their land, or uh, the animals, the firstlings of their flock that the Lord had blessed them with. And they're bringing that unto the Lord. They're offering it unto the Lord all the way back in the first family. The first family. And so the Apostle Paul, that's good Old Testament, but the Apostle Paul even encourages in the New Testament concerning our giving of voluntary offerings unto the Lord as well. He lists a principle for us in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9 and verses 6 and 7. He says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. 
every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Now, I want us to understand that every man as he purposeth in his heart applies to giving our voluntary offerings. Okay, I want to make a distinction here because it's not every man according as he purposed in his heart when it comes to tithing. The Lord has set that standard for us in the scripture. But whenever it comes to the voluntary free will offerings, it's every man according as he is purposeth in his heart. So let him give. Now here it is, the attitude, right? This is vitally important in our giving. Not grudgingly or of necessity or obligation, that is. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Giving just uh, a free will offering uh, should not be because we feel it's compliance or it's obligation, but our attitude in giving is vitally important here. Amen. Again, so they, they gave of their livestock, the fruits of their harvest, uh, whatever rewards it is perhaps that they got concerning their labor. And now the rewards of our labor being monetary goods, we offer those things unto the Lord. And in the modern society, most of our increase, uh, there's still probably some people maybe that get some chickens and things of that nature. Uh, and, and But in the modern day culture, our increase comes from comes from money. And so whenever we talk about free will or voluntary offering uh, that we give unto the Lord. There are a lot of worthwhile ministries and needs within the church or that at least flow through the church uh, that can be given to uh, concerning those type of things. For instance, there is a Missions America Home Missionary Churches starting in our United States. There are world missionaries. All of those are very worthy, amen, causes to give to free will all right, according as you have purposed in your heart unto those type of ministries. Even within our own church here, there are, there are youth ministries, monies that get divided between our older youth, our younger youth. All of those are worthwhile needs and ministries which a person could give free will offerings, amen, unto as you have purposed in your heart. And that is the fact of the matter concerning tithing or giving, any type of giving in that, in, in, in that concern, it all really comes down to a heart issue. It is a matter of the heart. And so again, God, God is not judging us concerning our free will offerings upon specified amounts. Well, that person gave $200. That person gave $20. No, again, it's the motive of our hearts. Um, we see that in New Testament scripture of Acts chapter number 5. It was during a time that it seems like the disciples that were coming to the Lord, people that were coming to the Lord to follow the Lord, uh, that the Bible says that they were selling their goods and they were giving those goods unto uh, the disciples or it was kind of a pool of money. No one lacked then. Who, he who had less, those that had more kind of helped uh, counterbalance and offset things. And so this was what was taking place. And there were two individuals, Ananias and Sapphira, who bought, who rather sold a portion of land that they had. And they came under the guise that they were giving what they had sold the land for, that they were giving it all. That was kind of the, the guise under which their giving was taking place. But when they stood before the apostle, he told them concerning their heart, how their heart wasn't right, because indeed they were acting, their attitude was this, I'm giving all, but in the process really keeping back some. Amen. And so the thing is, if they had purposed in their heart to, to give a portion that, 
fine, whatever they purpose in their heart. But the fact is, they were under the, uh, the, the, everybody was under the presumption they're giving all. This is the way in which they are conveying themselves when they were keeping back some. And the Bible says that the Lord, the Lord absolutely rejected them and punished them. Amen. Not necessarily over giving or not giving or giving part, not giving all, but their attitude in it. It was the attitude of the giving, all right? So we got to give. Our duty is not to give grudgingly, all right, but out willingly, out of an act of love unto the Lord. Amen. And so you say, well, Brother McGee, then how much should I give to the Lord? Well, uh, here's the fact of the matter. If we're giving like the Old Testament from, from Abel and Cain going forward, the gift is a sacrifice, all right, the gift of the sacrifice. That's the reason why whenever Jesus stood at, at the treasury with the, the, the widow woman who went by and put in her two mites, he spoke that she gave more than some of those that passed by that had uh, more means than she did because he said she had given of all her living. In other words, what she gave, she was going to feel the impact of that in her life. That sacrifice, when you feel the impact of it, all right? And so uh, I would tell you, then give sacrificially. If it's no big deal for you to give what you gave, then it probably wasn't a sacrifice. And it's quiet in here, and we only got two people. Amen. <laughs> I just joke. Hallelujah. But, but it, it's, it's sacrifice, all right? Amen. Give, give, give not as though, you know, it's something that's going to pass through the church and the church secretary sees. Give as though you're giving Lord Jesus Christ as the church secretary. All right, give like that. The Bible says in Proverbs 11, verse 25, the liberal, interpreted literally, the generous so shall be made fat. All right? We're not talking about physically here. And he that water shall be watered also himself. There is this silical pattern to giving. You can't give away without it somehow coming back into your life by some means. It may not be a currency, but it comes back. Somehow, the Bible says, cast your bread upon the water and see if not many days hence that it comes back to you. Amen. And, and that, that was a, a, a time in which they were talking about whenever the waters of Jordan would overflow its banks, they would cast seed of bread and wheat and such of that on the water. And as the waters begin to subside, that seed would find its place in grounds that it would not find itself otherwise had it not been for them casting it on the water when the water was there. And then they would have harvests in places that they may not otherwise been able uh, you know, to get to just by doing the old oxen and the plow. Amen. But it would come back to them. There is this, again, silical uh, cycle pattern of giving that happens in our lives. And so we need to give voluntarily. Amen. We Here's a good standard. Well, is there ever a time concerning giving? Keep giving, keep giving, because the Lord has constantly, is constantly giving unto us. So if, if you're basing your giving based upon his giving, then you quit giving when he quits giving. Amen? And so every time I breathe in in the morning and have mobility in my body, he's gave. He is gave. It's, it, it goes beyond Calvary. 
It goes beyond the cross. Every day he's giving into my life. And so there are, uh, speaking of the voluntary free will offerings in the scripture, there is um, uh, some, some guidance that the word of the Lord gives us. I'm not going to each one of these scriptures. I can reference them for you. But it kind of gives us guidance concerning uh, the how of our giving. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 16.2, the Bible speaks that we should give regular, regularly. The Bible says on the first day of the week that they gave. It literally says that for the first day of the week. And so that was something that they did the first day of every week. They gave regularly, all right, systematically, methodically, regularly. Uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9 and 6 that they gave bountifully or liberally, generously, open-handedly. Right? We've talked about that oftentimes. We get all this stuff that comes into our life, but if we don't have some type of outflow, we're just like the Dead Sea. You know, collects all the water but has no outlet. Right? And it has all this salt, salt content and so on and so forth. But, but nonetheless, and so if we go on, the Bible says that we should give cheerfully, willingly, happily. It speaks that in 2 Corinthians 9 and 7. That we should give in simplicity, meaning this, that there should be a sense of humility in our giving, right? We're not seeking a claim. We're not looking for a pat on the back, right? Nobody has to put a star on our lapel because we gave, and we don't have to parade it, right? Huh? Too many times what we do in secret, the Scripture says, the Lord will reward us openly for. Nobody else has to know, but you and God knows, right? You and God knows, Amen. And so we're not seeking a claim. We should give, again, according to our ability. The Bible particularly says in Corinthians, as God has prospered you. Huh? As God has pros prospered you. So again, there is a sense of a proportion even in our free will offerings that as he has prospered you, you give unto the Lord based upon how you have uh, been blessed monetarily in your life. And so we have great precedence concerning giving with our God because God was a giver, right? God is a giver. Amen. He gave us his nature. He gave us his name. He gave us his only begotten son. Right? Amen. God so loved the world that he gave. Amen. And so he was a giver. Amen. Look at the scripture here in Deuteronomy. And I'm going to go here myself because I, I added a little verse of scripture here. Deuteronomy chapter number 8 and verse number 17 uh, starting. The scripture says these words. And thou say in thine heart. My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. Now, see, we sometimes we we vacillate over into that 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 rut. <laughs> I, well, I worked I worked for this money, you know. I, I I I did. When you get the I my mind stuff going on concerning health and wealth, we have done forgotten. We have done forgotten. It says that in verse 18, but here's the contrast. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. Wait a minute, what? You said my power, don't forget God. You said my might hath gotten me this. Hold on, don't forget about God. Remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. So it's not my health and my strength and my wealth. He's given me health to get wealth. 
Amen. For the purpose of giving my tenth and for the purpose of aiding in his kingdom with free will offerings and things of that nature. Amen. Giving. Hallelujah. John Oxham, a 17th century individual, said these words. He said, love's prerogative is not only to give, but to give again and then to give still again. In other words, a byproduct of our love is giving. A person who loves, just very, very simple concept, illustration here this morning. A person who loves another person in some way, fashion or another is going to give toward that which they love. Just happens. Go back to your romance days with that individual that's your husband or wife now before they were husband and wife, right? And you did little things, you gave little gifts or even to the, 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 the degree of compliments or anything like that. You gave something, amen, toward that very thing that you loved. And so uh, our giving many times is attached or can be somewhat of a, a barometer uh, sometimes to the degrees of our love for the Lord. Now, there is another aspect of stewardship concerning treasure, even outside of tithes and giving this morning, uh, that maybe isn't talked about much or, or in my estimation, I suppose. And that is what the Bible would describe as alms or alms giving. All right. Whenever we talk about alms or alms giving in the scripture, we're talking about giving to people who are in need. The need of others giving or contributing toward the need of others. Again, this is an area of stewardship uh, that need not be neglected according to the word of the Lord. It is a very important part of Christian stewardship just as much as our free will offerings. I'm going to go through just a few verses of scripture here. Uh, they won't be on your screen because there's several of them, but just to give you a little a basis for alms giving. Acts 20 and verse 35, he says, I have shewed you all things how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Luke 14, verse 13, Jesus said, but when thou makest a feast called the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee. In other words, they can't repay you. For thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. One place of scripture, uh, the, the Lord spoke about how we give to people or we uh, honor people with things that can turn around and honor us back. He said, do not sinners do the same? He said, but I'm, I'm asking you to do something for those that cannot do anything for you in return. And so they cannot recompense. Call the poor, the main, when you make a feast. Romans 12, verse 13. Distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Ephesians 4, verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the things which is good, that he may, here's the purpose, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Right? That's alms. Galatians 2 and verse number 10. We should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward or diligent 
to do. Amen. Galatians 6 and 10. As we have therefore opportunity, we've read this before, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Luke 11 verse 41, Jesus said, but rather give alms of such things as you have. And so we have we have commandment, we have principle in scripture that we are to give to those that are poor, those that are in need, uh, those perhaps that lack. And so when we look at that, that's many times under in the context of the word alms or alms giving uh, because alms is translated from a Greek word which means this to show compassion as exercise towards people benefits charity to offer kind-hearted support or assistance to the needy that is alms amen and the scripture tells us in Matthew 25 when it speaks about clothing those that need to be warm uh, offering a drink to the thirsty, visiting those that are in prison, visiting the sick, doing all of these. He said, when you have done it unto the least of these, he says, you have done it unto me. And so here's another aspect that our giving is, again, not about the per se individuals, but as we do it to them or for them, it is unto the Lord. Amen. As we've done it unto the least of them, we have done it unto him. And so with that, and I would say this in most areas, but particularly in the area of giving alms or helping the needy, uh, the Lord instructs us that this is something that must be discreet. This is something that is particularly private. All right? Uh, the last thing, let me just speak very practically, the last thing that somebody needs who is suffering with lack or has a need in their life is for someone to be flamboyant about having given them something for their need. What I'm meaning is this. A person, if, you're, if you are uh, in a place of need, everybody in you that's a part of this fabric called humanity has a sense of pride to them, okay? We all do. It doesn't matter. There is nobody that wants to be in the position of having to receive from another in order to keep afloat. I don't care who you are, all right? And so there's, no, there's, there's nothing there that should require me if I'm giving to somebody in need, you know, telling somebody else I help so-and-so, all right? Some discretion and privacy would be afforded. There's only one that needs to know, and that's God, and he knows, all right? He, he knows, Amen. And so there needs to be some discretion and, and, and privacy in those matters. Hallelujah. Here's the fact that just kind of little, you know, a little probe right there in my spirit. The, the fact is this. Some people won't give unless they can have the notoriety that goes with it. If, 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 if they give and it's not known, it takes away the umph of their giving. If you can't give without anybody knowing, you've not started giving. Amen. Amen. Uh, Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4, Jesus said, He said, Take heed that ye, here it is, that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet. All right. I don't think I've ever witnessed that, but it probably happened somewhere. Uh, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of 
men. Giving's not about having glory of men. Giving's about having the glory of God. All right? Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand is doeth. In other words, it's speaking about that, that uh, discretion, if I can get the word out of my mouth. Discretion, it's talking about that privacy. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That thine alms may be in secret. And the Father, here we go, which seeth thee in secret, shall reward thee openly openly for it. Amen. There's there's people, there's people uh, in our churches, in our community. Amen. Uh, years ago, I don't know what the statistic is now, but within the community of Mount Carmel at a, at a time, five or so years ago, 19% of the population of the city of Mount Carmel was at or below the poverty level. Amen. And so there are needs around us that even go beyond those within the church, even beyond the four walls of the assembly. And the early church practiced the concept of alms. They practiced the concept of helping those that were in need. Romans 15 and verse 26 says, For I have pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints were, which were at Jerusalem. Jerusalem had went through something horrendous. It affected their lives. It affected, if you will, the, the living of their lives. And Macedonia and Achaia made a certain contribution. They had evidently set something aside, particularly just for those poor saints. Uh, an Athenian philosopher back in that day of biblical times, uh, like around 135 A.D., there is a writing that's recorded of a letter that he gave uh, to the emperor. And this is what he said to kind of uh, showcase that the idea of giving to the poor and how that was a, a earmark or a, a, a designation, particularly even of the Christian people. He said, they, speaking of the Christians, he said, walk in all humility and kindness and falsehood is not among them. He says, they love one another. They do not refuse to help widows. They rescue the orphans from violence. He who, has, who, he who has gives ungrudgingly to him who lacks. If they see a stranger, they take him home and entertain him as a brother. Again, hospitality was a bear, is still yet a very important thing. Amen to the Jewish culture. And when one of their poor passes from this world, any one of them who sees it provides for his burial according to his ability. Think about that. Truly, this is a new people and there is something divine in them. What a testimony. What a witness of somebody that is an observer of the lives of those who called themselves Christians. Amen. In the early centuries. Amen. The Bible teaches us that when we give to others, this is biblical premise, that when we give to others in those positions of need, we have actually lended unto the Lord. Scripture says that when we give unto others, when we give to the poor, we are actually lending unto the Lord. Proverbs 19 and verse 17. He that hath pity, here it is, he that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord. And that which he hath given will he the Lord. Speaking of the Lord, that which he, that which he hath given will he the Lord pay him again. Amen. Again, so we're giving to people that cannot recompense it. The individual themselves can't recompense it. They can't return it. But when you give, you've lended unto the Lord, and he will repay. He will repay. He will keep the record, and he will repay. And so there's things even here at our local church, unless you're aware, at our local church we have uh, in our accounting, in our chart of accounts, something for a benevolence fund. 
Uh, whenever people come here and they might have problems with water bill, electricity, food, whatever it is, uh, there's, uh, if there is money there and we can help, we will do so. And so there is benevolence, amen, in order to per se give alms to those that are in need. You've all been here perhaps before. We've had people at times be unemployed for months upon months, and we've taken up special offering, and, and we have uh, divided goods among those that were in need, and so we want to continue to try to keep that in the forefront of our minds. Uh, but that doesn't mean it has to go through the church. You can give to somebody individually. You don't have to go through here. You see somebody needs something prompts you in your spirit concerning somebody and maybe you feel as though they need. Uh, pay attention to those promptings of the Holy Ghost. Pay attention to those promptings of the Holy Ghost uh, because if you'll be obedient, it will just be maybe I answer to prayer for them. And that is the handiwork of God in all of these things. And so we do these works, of course, again, in love and discretion with privacy. We're not trying to embarrass anybody. Amen. But we're trying to be obedient. Amen. To the word of the Lord as being a steward. Amen. Of our treasure in tithing, in, in, in free will offerings, and in alms deeds of giving to those that are in need. But there is another aspect of giving this morning as well, or stewardship, I should say. And that is we are stewards over the testimony stewards over the testimony of the Lord and of our own personal testimony the apostle Paul said that he was a debtor to the Greeks and to the barbarians and to the wise and to the unwise and what he was meaning was this he knew as a Christian he was a steward of the testimony. He had a responsibility to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to whomever he could. All right? And so he was responsible to be a steward over what he had experienced and share that experience and share that death, burial, resurrection more than just a story, but actuality of the Lord Jesus Christ to other people that he met. He was to be a steward of that testimony. It, it would behoove us that the gift that we have experienced from God that we love and adore and cherish, if it has been such awe-inspiring and good to us, then we should share that experience with somebody else. Uh, today, we live in a mindset maybe sometimes that everybody knows, but here's the fact of the matter. There's still a lot of people that don't know. They don't know about Calvary. They don't know about Jesus. They don't know about that death, burial, and resurrection. They don't know that that was done for them, right? They don't know that that was done for the purpose of, of the, whatever life has been up to that moment for him to alter or erase or their past, all right? And so it is our responsibility as stewards of the testimony as we have freely received, the scripture says in Matthew 10 and 8, we need to freely give. And that's not just, again, treasure. That's testimony. He's given us a testimony because we've come out of somewhere or from somewhere or it was drugs, alcohol, whatever, promiscuous lifestyle. We came out of that. He's given us a testimony and we need to be a steward of that, right? We need to be a steward of our testimony to let our light shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Amen. Our testimony is to give glory to God. Our experience is to give glory to God. The Bible says in Mark 4 and verse 21, it states these words, and he said unto them, is a candle brought, is a candle brought to be under 
is to be put under a bushel and under a bed and not to be sat on a candlestick. It says a little later, and he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you and unto you that hear. Take heed, obey is what that means to hear, to take heed or obey, shall moreover be given. For he that hath to him shall it be given. And he that hath not from him shall it be taken, even that which he hath. And he said, Go, so this is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. In other words, we're not to deny allowing our lights to be shining before men. It's like sowing seed in the ground. There's going to come a harvest. Measure out, if you will, measure as it's been met to you. Measure out your testimony liberally unto the Lord, liberally for the purpose of the Lord, into the lives of other people. You've heard me say it before, nobody, nobody can take away your testimony. They can argue with you about a bunch of things, but they cannot argue with you about what God has done for you. They, they can discuss and hem haul, but nobody can take away the personal experience that you have had in your own life. And so we are stewards of our testimony. And again, it is important as a steward, the attitude of the steward, the attitude of the steward, because we live in a society by and large, I won't say all, but we live in a society for the most part that self is the center of life. Actions and decisions that are made concern me, all right, are about me. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10, and please note this, the love for the love of money is the root of all evil. Did not say money was the root of all evil. Said the love of money is the root of all evil. For that matter, I think it's in the Proverbs, the Bible says money answereth all things. That's, that's, that's true for today's age. Amen. Uh, answereth a lot of things. But the love of money is the root of evil, which while some coveted, all right, or that they stretched to grasp it, coveted after, they have erred from the faith. And pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's speaking of those who loved money. Life was just about money. Centered around money. Coveting that. Desiring that. Owning that. Uh, that has brought some, even in the modern day age, to have erred from the faith. Their love for money had become stronger than their love for God. All right? And so they pierced themselves with many sorrows because of what they attached their primary love to, which was money. And so our human nature, these bodies that we live in and the life that we live in, it is often going to arise in our lives that we're going to be tempted to use our time, our talent, our treasure, our testimony, whatever it may be, many times if we don't watch it, for only our own advantage. All right, our own advantage to fulfill our own needs, right? Our own desires to be greedy instead of generous. Amen. Uh, you know, especially if you've ever met one of those times in your life that, you know, a spirit of giving happened in the service. And God wanted you to give so and so forth, but you've been saving something back for such and such. And that check comes in your spirit. He wants you to give what you've been saving back and you have that discussion with God. But God, I was saving that back for boom, boom, you know, such and such. Amen. 
And so there, there's a trial in that moment, that war in the spirit of the flesh against the spirit. Amen. Because we tend to want to, to fulfill our needs and our desires because we have the mindset, you know, no one's going to take care of Paul McGee except Paul McGee. Right? Amen. And so uh, we got to be careful, though, in some of these modes. And so when we have just that love appetite for money and possessions, here, I want to do the little uh, flashing light uh, warning or, or indication of awareness right now. Just love for money, love per, for possession. I got truth to tell you this morning. It will never be enough. More will never be enough. If that's the, if that's the appetite that's in your spirit, more money will never cure your hunger for money. And more possessions will never cure your hunger for more possessions. Whenever you're looking for more, what that needs to be is guiding you to the only more that can satisfy. Those longings within our real human hearts for more is a God-placed thing. It's just that we try to satisfy it with other objects, other things. But what he's trying to do is really draw us to him because he's the only thing that can really satisfy. You won't find it in the money. You won't find it in possessions. Some people's looked for it in a myriad of relationships. Huh? Other men, uh, other women. That, that relationship didn't work. Going to find another one. And this one's going to do no, 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 no. The primary relationship he's trying to draw you to is a relationship with him. Amen. You'll find greater satisfaction in your human relationship maybe if you'll, if you'll be sold out to a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we, we, we need to be uh, careful, amen, concerning these matters. He tells us that, you know, you can love silver. He told us in the book of Ecclesiastes, he said you can love silver, but silver won't satisfy. You can love abundance, but you'll never be satisfied with the increase. Money. Everybody say money. Money is a wonderful servant, but it's a horrible master. Money is a wonderful servant, but is a horrible master. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon, which is money or wealth or avarice, greed. You cannot serve both of those. Amen. Let God be your master and let money be your servant. All right. Matthew 6, verses 19 and 21. Just a few verses up from the one I just read. We've read this one before. But again, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. Right? Where moth and rust doth corrupt. And where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is there will your heart be. Also don't, don't lay up your treasures here upon earth. I know we have to have things in order to operate in life. And get from here to there. But don't just invest all of that in the things of this earth. Whenever you're done and your wife and your family are gone upon this earth. All those things are going to go away. If there's no children around, nobody to inherit those things, they're going to be gone quite quickly. Listen, it took my wife and I just a couple of weeks to take a person's house, put it in the back of a U-Haul and drive it across America and put it in a storage for an auction to sell it all away. It don't take no time. 
amen, for those things to be gone. But the things that you invest that are in heaven that are eternal, rust won't get it, moth won't get it, death won't take it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They are eternal matters and eternal things. Amen. The old, the, the old timers used to sing those songs about how they're sending up timber. Amen. To build their mansion. Amen. Speaking about eternal things. A man's life, Scripture says, does not consist of the possessions that he has. That's not life. Amen. That's, that, that's, that's kind of the, the pseudo life. That, that's all the exterior and the facades, but that's not real life. Amen. That's what we deem life here on this earth, but that's not life. Amen. That's, that's, just, that's just the outfit and the mess that we parade down here. It will fade. It will deteriorate. It will go away. It will not last. If you want to lay up treasure, lay up treasures in heaven. Amen. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Right? And so here's the fact of the matter. You say, well... You can find where somebody's heart is by looking at where their treasure go. Okay? That's one concept. But here's something else. You may be able to direct your heart by where you direct your treasure. It's not about just seeing, let's see where their heart is. Have you ever thought that if your treasure is there, there will your heart be also? You can help direct your heart by where you place your treasure. So if you're having a hard time in relationship with the Lord, all right? and you're not one that invests in the kingdom of God, you can help direct your heart by placing your treasure here. Amen. So we're not just about following paths to see where the heart is. We're understanding by that principle that I can help direct my heart by where I'm placing my treasure. Amen. And so, uh, you know, the, the carnal man, the heart of the carnal man, of course, is greed. But the heart of the spiritual man is Sacrifice. And again, sacrifice means to give up something that is important to us, something that costs us, that hurts, that touches us in a real tangible way or fashion. And so whenever we give unto the Lord as a steward, time, talent, money, we give sacrificially. We give sacrificially. Amen? Amen. And so the way that we give then, here it is. Whenever we give a talent, time, Treasure, step back and ask yourself the question, giving that. Did it affect my lifestyle to give that? Huh? Regardless of the amount, ask yourself, did that affect my life in any way? Did that affect my life to give that time, right? Did, did that affect my life to give that, that skill or ability I had, talent to offer? Did it affect me any way to give this monetarily? Amen. Because in that, you're, you're, you're reviewing whether or not you're given out of your surplus, all right, or if you've given from something where it's going to be a sacrifice, amen, to give unto the Lord. C.S. Lewis stated it well when he wrote, he said, I'm afraid biblical charity or biblical giving is more than merely giving away that which we could afford to do without anyway. Did you catch that? Let me read that one more time. C.S. Lewis said, I'm afraid biblical charity is more than merely giving away that which we could afford to do without anyway. He's speaking to the sense of sacrifice, giving sacrificially. The Bible states, I got to run today. I said we was going to get through this, and we shall. All right, we're not going to week four on stewardship. Although we could, but we're not. All right, <laughs> the apostle Paul, he prays the sacrificial giving of uh, the Christians of Macedonia. 
who themselves, the Christians of Macedonia, were experiencing affliction. They were experiencing poverty themselves. But here is something just mind-blowing. Here is Macedonia experiencing affliction and poverty themselves, and yet the Bible says they gave liberally and voluntarily beyond even their means to give, it would seem. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8, verses 2 and 3, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. All right? They're they're, they're in a, a position right here, but they are giving liberally. For to their power, the apostle says, I bear record. Yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. The Macedonians, the Macedonians just understood the principles of Scripture. These things are cyclical. We're not in a very good position ourselves right now. We're giving sacrificially. But you know what? I know that somehow this is going to come back around. Somehow this is going to aid us even in the position that we are in. And so we must, the attitude of the giver, sacrificially, the attitude of a steward also, he must give his, again, his first fruits, amen, unto the Lord. Of his tithes, his first fruits, that first Portion set aside. Let me run through some little scriptures here. The Bible says that Abel brought the firstling of his flock. Israel was to bring the firstling of their herds. Israel was to bring the firstlings of their fruits and their juices. The firstlings, the Bible says, of their labor. The first of their dough. The first of their oil, their wine, and their wheat. The first of their corn and their fleece. The Jewish Firstborn, any Jewish household, that firstborn of any Jewish household, the Bible says, was holy or it was set apart because it belonged unto the Lord. Remember when Elijah went to the widow, he said, Hey, you're making a cake? He said, Bake me a cake first. Amen. All of these first things. We don't want to, we, we don't want to pay or give to God what is left over. But what is first? Amen. First, and the Bible says, but seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things, that's even your material things, will be added unto you. So, this morning in concluding today, in concluding, Jesus, whenever he gave the parable in Luke chapter number 10, the parable of the Samaritan, uh, that good Samaritan that came by to who he who was caught among thieves, Uh, One writer said it like this, and uh, the story of the Good Samaritan kind of displays a story of stewardship, meaning that the thieves came by with the attitude, uh, what's yours is mine and I'm going to get it. Said the priest and the Levite came by with the attitude as they came by, looked at the man who was taken among thieves, said what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. And then the Good Samaritan came by with the attitude, what mine is yours and you can have it. Gave oil and wine and took him to the inn and said, whatever, whatever else is charged, he says, put it on my account. I'll take care of it. Because here's the fact of the matter. Everything that I have, everybody says, everything I have, everything I have belongs to God. And so I must be a steward of his goods. First Timothy 6 and 7 says, for we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we can carry nothing out. It all belongs to unto the Lord it's not about how much we have that's necessarily important but it's how we use what we do have that is vitally important 
Amen. This morning, I'm coming here to a close. The word promises us that there are rich rewards to stewards who are faithful. Rich rewards. And I'll close with these verses of scripture that conveys that idea that there are rich rewards to those that are faithful stewards. It says in your Bibles, Proverbs 28 and 20, a faithful man shall abound with blessing. Proverbs eleven twenty five: the liberal so shall be made fat. Proverbs 19, 7, again, he that lendeth unto the Lord, he will pay him again. Malachi 3, 10, bring the tithes into the storehouse. I will pour you out a blessing, the Lord said. He said, give and it shall be given unto you. He said, give alms in secret and the Father shall reward thee openly. Amen. He tells us over and over again, if we be faithful over a few things, he'd make us ruler over many. He which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. There is a blessing in being a faithful steward. And my parents and those generations before me, they always said it. And it's still true. You cannot outgive God. You can never outgive God with your time, with your talent, with your treasure, with your testimony. You can never outgive the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer today and pray that these principles of stewardship don't just hit our ears, but it hits our, our heart, right? That it hits our, our heart and somehow affects our attitude, amen, toward stewardship and all these various areas that we have talked about over the past, amen, three weeks. Hallelujah. Next Sunday morning, we will be continuing with our discipleship series. We'll be going into talking about the Godhead. All right, next Sunday we'll be talking about the Godhead, amen, so you can be prayerful about that. But we want to pray today, amen, that we would be the stewards of the Lord in Scripture, amen, ask of us to be. Father, I come to you this morning. I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, for the many blessings that you have poured into my life. I'm thankful, Lord, for the time you have given me upon this earth. Teach me, Lord, to number my days. I'm thankful, Lord God, for the skill and abilities, Lord, that you have given me in my life, God, and I do not want to consume them just upon myself. I pray, oh Lord, today, I do thank you, Jesus, for the treasure, the monetary goods, Lord, the health, God, and the means of securing wealth, Lord, here upon this earth again, Lord. I don't want to just use those things for my own fancies or desires or needs. Help me, oh God, with the testimony you have given me, Lord, of being born again of the water and the spirit, the, the idea, the concept, Lord, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ being played out in my life. Likewise, Lord, I do not want to hoard that or keep it to myself. Help me, Lord, God, to be one that would, Lord, be a steward of my time and my, my talent, Lord Jesus, God, in tithing and offering and almsgiving, Lord, in testimony. Help me, O oh Lord, to be a good steward in these areas, to be faithful, have the right attitude, I pray, O oh Lord, today. Do it sacrificially, O oh Lord. Do it firstly, O oh Lord, not as a afterthought, but as a forethought, I pray, O oh God, today. Bless your people, Lord, today. Give them strength, Lord, in their bodies. Hand of protection upon them. And God, bring Bring us back another time, God, where we once again can worship and praise the Lord. God, through lifting up our voices and through giving, investing in the kingdom of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. God bless you this morning in Jesus' name. We'll be 
don't forget, we'll be together, amen, next Sunday morning. Hallelujah. Go on, go on and set your alarm for next Sunday. Amen. Be ready to be up, dressed, ready, amen, in the house of God. Doors will open on that Sunday morning at 940, 20 minutes before service as we've been doing. But come and be a part of our Sunday morning service after all these months of not being able to be together. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.